UX Podcast Episode 96. This is UX Podcast. The guy sitting next to me is James Royal Lawson. And the guy over there is Per Axbom. And we are balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. And today we have a treat because we haven't done one of these shows in a long time. Which we seem to say every time we, we do, do, one, do one of these well, shows. Okay. Probably, yes. <laughs> it's a link show. Great fun. We choose three articles. In this case, one well, of the things that have interested us on the yeah. the great big world wide web. Because one of them isn't an article today. Exactly. <coughs> you noticed that I had to kind of tweak it a little bit because yes. I realized not all three are articles. <laughs> Never mind. So what well, are it's a link, so, it it's is a li- so it's still a link show. It is show. a link show. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Glad we've got the definition sorted. Mm, what are the um, three things that we'll be discussing today, Pai? We will start off with uh, Lisa Reichelt's. We s- we differ on how we you pronounce we her we name. Do. And how would you say her name? Um, Lisa Reichelt. Okay. Anywho, <laughs> she's written an article on uh, on her blog disambiguity dot com. Do you want me to just take over? <laughs> <laughs> when experience <laughs> when experience matters and when it doesn't. Next one is uh, get better qualitative data on your user experience with micro feedback. So microfeedback, it seems like you just slap micro in front of things nowadays. And that article is by um, Sarah Doody. Yes. And the final one that we'll finish off with is uh, the user is drunk, which is a service offered by... It's Richard um, um, Litauer, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, okay. and, and, this, and that's been doing... Uh, that's mm-hmm. actually got a, quite a bit of traction on Twitter this last um, yeah. week or so. Okay, let's start off. So first up is um, Lisa's um, article. Well, actually, she it started off as a tweet um, back in February. Mm. Um, Lisa tweeted um, that she was increasingly increasingly of the view that domain expertise is a hindrance and not an advantage when you're doing service design and user research, mm. and it got a fair bit of attention um, and comments and. Um, she realized that she probably had to expand on 160 characters, which a lot of us have had that situation where we tweet out something and then realize, yes. oh, God, no, that, that I've got to deeper, dig a bit deeper into that and explain myself a little exactly. bit more. And I have to say, with experience, I've actually sometimes written a few tweets and then never pushed the tweet button because I've realized, oh, my God, if people react to this, I won't have time to respond to it all. Mm. Uh, so I actually decided not to tweet some stuff as well. Oh, but at the same time, it's useful that you do. Actually, you've got to get, you've got to work through things. I mean, if it's something that's caused it's something you, you, you've it's pressed the right buttons and it's made you think of things, it's it's um, raised questions, then it's good to work through it. Babe. So don't just swallow it back down again. You'll get a black heart. Well, maybe I'll just tweet it later. Yeah, or tweet or, or tweet it or um, night time when else. nobody's listening. You bring it up on your next podcast. That as well. Mm. Um, so but then I'll just get your feedback. <laughs> And what's wrong with that? <laughs> We're straying off topic. All right. So that Lisa expanded on this um, tweet with an article talking about what she meant by that oh, domain um, mm. or that um, ex- domain expertise mm. is a hindrance. Mm. Well, first of all, what's domain expertise? 
this this is basically when um, you've got experience of the specific area um, that you're you're working with, you're designing yeah. for. Now, now we don't mean that you know you've I don't know you've done usability testing or you've done wireframes before or you've worked with um, a certain publishing um, tool. Um, here we mean that you've actually worked with maybe that branch or that yeah. type of organization, banking industry yeah. or like I don't know mm. public sector. Yeah, or um, or as in my case right now, health services. Yeah, or a specific health um, right care um, scenario, mm -hmm. um, or a, a particular type of charity, um, or uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you get. Yeah, I think you're going to get the idea. What Lisa found is that um, she she presumed. Um, well, she found she was in situations where um, a couple of different things were happening. One of them was that they were recruiting um, for people to do user research, and it was assumed that domain experience, so having worked with a similar mm. thing before, was more important mm. than the capability of the actual researcher. Mm. And then also she had a, a similar, an, an additional experience was that if um, she was working with a researcher that um, does have domain experience for a particular topic, mm. um, they were shutting down team um, conversations based on experiences yes. they already had. Been there, yes. Basically, say, mm. I know best because I've done that. This mm. is what happened. Oh, no, we mm. don't need to do that because of. And then just listing out your answer based mm. on your experience. It made me think about, because now I've worked a lot, a lot of years with the health sector and en <laughs> enough of a, of a time to actually have new people coming into the mix. And every time a new person comes into the mix, they question stuff and they wonder, mm. well, why is it like that? Doesn't that seem strange? But he's and, imme good. and immediately someone says, well... It it just has to be that way because of that and that, and, and they just dismiss it. But really, you have to start thinking, <laughs> finally, at some point, if all of the people coming in are asking this, something must be going on that's not quite right. Mm. I think it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a healthy thing to, to have someone fresh-eyed come in and ask certain questions mm. because, yeah, they may seem dumb questions. You might find them frustrating, especially if the, 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 pros the journey that you went through mm. when learning or experiencing... Um, something that came to a certain outcome, mm. um, if that was difficult and and you know maybe a problematic issue for the project back then, yeah, maybe you don't want to bring you don't want to have that coming up again. You don't right. want to put the whole team through it again because yeah. you, you, oh. you ever had the same question? Yeah, and it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be you know drag the team down. Obviously, oh, can't you just understand that that's what it's going to be like because yeah. we've done this? But you know, then it's all about communication, and you've got to make sure you then can communicate to that person. Um, or, or at least allow them to experience yeah. to a degree the similar things that they understand. Probably you should just sit down and talk through, well, why is it like this? Well, we, maybe mm. we did make a like, solid, valid uh, decision at one point, and we need to actually put that down on paper and realize that, okay, it's not the best, but given our resources at the time or whatever, then that's the decision we made, mm. and that's why things are the way they are. And it's not going to be prioritized over the next year either because we have all this other stuff that seems more important right now. Mm. I mean, that's a solid answer that you could give in quite, quite like in a minute mm. to, to questions like that. I think, um, although, although Lisa's talking specifically about um, um, recruiting user researchers mm -hmm. in this article, because I mean, that's what she deals with an awful lot, um, um, a lot of what she's talking about and the issues she's talking about um, apply to all aspects of, of, of what we do and the different um, competencies that we bring into projects. Yeah. Um, that we, um, I mean, I've I've had experience where, um, I've I've years ago now, um, three four, I think three years ago, I was um getting, I was trying to get involved in a, um, in working with um, a public sector organisation here in Sweden, um, and 
I almost got that gig, but at the end of it, I didn't. And the reason, like, the feedback I got was, mm. I mean, you're, you know, you're probably perfectly mm. right person for the for the uh, for the role. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, James, someone else um, was similar to you, um, but had worked previously with the public sector. Right. And my instant reaction was, well, that's exactly the reason why maybe I should have got the role. Exactly. It should have been the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> for you know, just just for kind of. Fresh eyes input, um, altering the mix. Because mm. if you if you only ever have people who've worked with the public sector working with the public sector, then are they really going to question things? Are they, are they mm. going to ask the right questions or open their eyes to things or mm. even come with um, fresh answers? Yeah, new solutions to things that have been um, maybe dogmas and and uh, oh, and holding things back for a long period of time. Mm. What um, Lisa actually suggested she comes up with um three um or three things that um you should be looking for look out or think about when recruiting user researchers but I, I again i don't think you can you can take away user research from this and i think it still matters um you know it's still it's still relevant for recruiting positions and teams. any type of professional yeah. within like the web design mm. team yeah um first prior the priority here is um that the the person you're recruiting the user researcher um has experience in the methods of user research you expect to be uh, using on the project. Mm. That's the most important thing, that, the, that they're familiar with the way of working the tools that you plan to employ. Mm. Um, and that's true. I mean, you know, having, you know, you employ, <laughs> if you can bring, a, bring an electrician around to your house to fix the, um, you know, to fix your fuse box, mm. I mean, you, you, as long as they've got the you know, tools in their toolbox and you know they're qualified to do electric yeah. electric stuff you're not going to be worried if they haven't worked with your particular brand of fuse box this week or maybe the the type of house that you have or the number of members of the family that you have is that important to ha fixing the fuse box mm. <laughs> if i guess someone to clean my windows i mean should i be worried that they haven't cleaned um the windows of a single story house with a cellar exactly maybe they've only cleaned houses that have got three stories mm. or flats maybe mm. And how um, easy is that? My 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 examples now are going a little bit surreal. <laughs> um, <laughs> the second point that Lisa says you should be um, looking for someone who is effective in communicating research findings in a way that compels the team to act on them. Mm. So here, the the communication aspect of of a UX role. Um, I mean, here now I think we can say UX roles so that, that, that communicating your findings to someone else is an absolute key yeah. skill. Um, and again, does, you don't need to be a um, subject uh, or domain mm. ex expert um, to be able to do that well. No, I think this is actually the most important competence that anyone can have in the UX field. Yeah, I mean, I, you could you <coughs> could argue the mm. case that these these two actually the way around. Yeah, that I, I you you will get more mileage from someone who can communicate their results, mm. but with whatever tool that they feel, feel comfortable mm. with, than force tools on someone, or, or rather have very strict methods mm. that you're going you're to employ. Um, so there, mm. there I could argue sometimes I think you switch them two around. But, exactly. Um, but I agree with the third point that Lisa says here, that the, thir the third ranked criteria would be, okay, if they've got the other two and they've um, got previous experience in the subject domain of the project, that could be interesting. But another point too, which Lisa brings up is... Um, you can't run a project successfully without any mm. subject matter or domain expertise. Yeah, and that's a valid point. You need someone who knows 
their way around. Oh, you've got a long yeah. learning curve if mm. you've got no mm. one <laughs> that has any mm. experience about mm. it. Um, but um, I think, I mean, now I'm thinking of the Swedish log on, um, which I'm mm. not going to try and explain. But, you know, you've got to have a mix of um, um, the right balance. people. Yeah. yeah, whether it's, um, yeah, it could be skills, demand expertise, mm. but even maybe, you know, Lisa suggests age, gender, mm. and so on, that you know, uh, one-sided teams mm. aren't optimal. True. You need those arguments. And for arguments... Well, not just arguments, Pat. I mean, you, you, you need um, varying um, points of view. Well, that's what you I mean. You don't have to argue all the time. Well, yes, you do. No, you don't. I was going to make a you point here. You argue with me. No, no, yes, I am, because I'm actually going to switch this around now and all see right. say where domain expertise might be an advantage, because I've been thinking a lot about this, because having worked not, not solely with, with health services recently, but a lot, uh, I've been thinking a lot about going into working almost full-time with health services because it's I like it uh, I, it seems like I do uh, work that benefits a lot of people in the real world uh, and what I've come to realize is that I'm I'm better and better at doing ESA research with people uh, who are sick and I've done interviews with uh, uh, kids with Asperger's syndrome and so there are quite new interview techniques that I have to employ to actually reach out to those people and get them to open up to me uh, and that type of expertise, I think, is valid when you're a researcher, uh, where you actually understand the ins and outs of how to approach people who are in a, in a, in a specific context, like mm. in, in need of health services. Mm. And again, maybe someone else knows the business and organization, but they might not understand wha- how it could be difficult to interview some people that have some type of illness that uh, that's very rare or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So... Again, it's not always black and white, so we can't really say that one is better than the other, as always. <laughs> uh, but really what we can say is that sometimes uh, there can be benefits to having domain expertise. And, but then it has to be motivated, like I just did. Hmm. Domain expertise is required because we need someone who has experience doing this. Uh, we're approaching these types of people. Hmm. So we're we're basically agreeing with Lisa to a large extent. Yes. Um, it's... It can be a hindrance mm. with domain expert uh, expertise, but um, it also is ultimately required to be successful to an extent. Yes. So, and we um, we w- mm. we might well be talking to Lisa in a few weeks. Yes, she's coming to UXLX. No, no business to buttons. That's right. God, I mix these up. Oh, you mentioned all we have so events. much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You want to try and read the title? I got it wrong last time. Okay. <laughs> Get better quorum. No, I didn't see. I was going to say the other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Get better qualitative data yeah. on your user experience with microfeedback. <clears throat> so microfeedback. This is a uh, by Sarah Duty. Uh, she's a UX designer. Based in New York. Uh, I think she's a f- might be a freelancer. I'm not sure. I haven't checked actually. Uh, this uh, post is on the Envision uh, blog. But she has her own blog on com as well. Yeah. Uh, so microfeedback. Uh, uh, one thing we've got to say is that if, when you bring up the article, um, then you've got to scroll quite a way down to get basically the intro. Well, the first part gives a bit of a background. Uh, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you know, given the title mm-hmm. and given that mm-hmm. we're t- we've got to t- uh, tell our listeners... Mm-hmm. What we're talking about, I think yeah. it's important that we go we go straight to mm. what is microfeedback, mm. or we're not going to be able to talk about this. Mm. So we scroll down to about 
well, a third of the way down yeah. the article, and it says, microfeedback is little bits of information collected from customers at a specific trigger point or specific trigger points in your product's experience. And the goal of gathering microfeedback is to get definitive feedback about key interactions um, mm. uh, with outcomes um, from your product. There's something wrong in that sentence. There actually. is something. Uh, I <laughs> fell over. I think. Uh, I don't know if that was me reading it badly yeah. or whether it's actually written a bit strange. And uh, sorry, hmm. I actually tweeted this article. I recommended it to to some people who were discussing a survey that came out uh, the other day from uh, Nespresso, uh, the coffee machine makers. It was one of these long surveys, and it actually said it takes 35 minutes to answer the survey. Oh, nobody's gonna take 35 minutes off their time and answer the survey. Well, and some people are, but they're only going to be a certain said, type of person. If, if you don't have 35 minutes, then you can actually save and come back later. <laughs> a certain type of people might answer we, that. We talked about this yeah. in, a, in, a, in a podcast last summer mm. about forms and, um, mm. and people choosing to fill in forms mm. or not, and that that itself biases the results yeah. because of who decides to give 35 minutes. And our survey time. is quite long as well, I must say. <coughs> <laughs> it takes about a minute to fill in, maybe. <laughs> Uh, microfeedback is sort of a solution to this problem of long surveys that people don't respond to. It's funny, I heard the other day that the uh, different research companies in Sweden that are like taking polls of the whole country are having difficulties now because people don't have uh, phone lines anymore, which is interesting in itself. So gathering feedback any which way, even long surveys by phone, it's getting tougher and tougher for a lot of companies. Because people are people mm. are they're having to ring mobiles mm. to do the research, and yeah. people are getting better at rejecting mm. the calls because exactly. they see it's a research company, and they're not seeing the benefits for themselves no. of why they should respond. No. So the concept of microfeedback, I think, is really excellent in the sense that it you, it's second. I mean, it's a, a, a question of seconds in uh, of uh, getting feedback from customers. The examples being that you get a text message, an SMS, from a company. Uh, her example is Instacart. Instacart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the text says, uh, "Thanks for using Instacart. Reply with a number one to five to rate your order." Uh, and you just respond one to five. Yeah, and then you get a confirmation SMS yeah. that says, uh, "Oh, got it. Five stars. Mm-hmm. Thanks for um, exactly. using Instacart." And what I would they actually do add, I would actually add thanks for the feedback um, and for using Instacart. Yes, because mm. I don't thank you for the <laughs> feedback. <laughs> You are really getting into uh, criticizing the editorial stuff today. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what's in me. <laughs> I must have had something for lunch. Uh, it actually does something else good. Is it Besides letting you rate it one to five, it actually gives a link for giving more detailed feedback, should you wish. Mm. But in this way, doing it this way, they get so much more feedback from... I, I would, well, it doesn't say, actually. I don't think she knows how, how many people actually do respond to this, but... It's certainly something I would do. And you gave the example, I think, of having your car at, at the mechanic, and you, you get you get one of these texts. Yeah, for the service, you get you get, yeah, asked, um, you get to rate the service yeah. uh, in a text message. It's, it's super fast. You get valuable inf- valuable information back, and you don't just get it at one point in time. Because what people do with these long surveys is they they run it for a month or two months, and that's it. And then you start try and find out what all, all the stuff means. But now you can actually get feedback all year round in these micro feedback scenarios, mm. which I really, really li- like. The other example she has is, and we've seen this. Oh, this I is think the physical. The this is the more mm. um, in-shop in um, mm. feedback um, system where um, they have, um, in this example, it was security at an airport in Ireland um, where there was f- there were these four smiley faces 
um, colour coded as well. So the the happy face is is green and smiling, and then you've got a lighter green, and then you've got a kind of salmony pink colour that doesn't look very happy, and then you've got a red face which looks really unhappy, mm. and you've got to bash the button um, according to. <coughs> how your security experience was at the airport today. Exactly. And this one's interesting. We talked about this briefly before. Mm. There's there's some yeah. of the... I know there's a few places here in Stockholm that have this kind yeah. of um, system. Um, there's a few um, uh, pharmacies um, mm. or drugstores, I believe they're yeah. called, at the other side of the pond. Um, and um, also the public, uh, the transport system here in, mm. in um, the, the ticket shop for the transport system has mm. one. And I don't, I don't use them. I, I think once, once I've, I've used it, and the only t- the only reason I used it is because <laughs> there was a delay. I was doing something, and she, uh, mm. the, the lady that was helping me, she had to go behind the scenes. You should say, you could say to grab something for me or pick something up or I can't what it was. Mm. So while she was gone, I kind of looked at these buttons, mm. and I oh, I'll press that one. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was, one, it was I was killing time while while mm. while there. Um, so um, the so big difference between these to- two, of course, are uh, or is that. One is personal or private. You give a text message response. The other one is public. You push a button in public where there might be yeah. other people around, mm. uh, which perhaps it can affect how you respond, but also your willingness to respond. Mm. Uh, and I'm thinking, in this case, how is your security experience today? If my experience was bad, that would probably make me more willing to push the red button and really demonstratively like mm. knock it, knock that red button down, and say this was really bad. I, mean, I hate this. Oh, and also think about yeah. this: it's completely abstracted from what what's happened. I mean, you've just got a pile of red faces. Yeah. What do you do then? How do you know what was the underlying cause? Right. Here? I mean, this is like the this is this is the whole like, asking users what mm. they want. Mm. <laughs> they say they want this, but mm. you you don't actually know what's you, the underlying the problem, the reason, what is they're trying to achieve. Mm. And this is the whole thing. What's really upset mm. them? Okay, in some days it might be quite obvious mm. that you know half of your security team was sick, so you were running fi- you know mm. half the number of um, uh, security lines compared to normal. Mm. Pretty straightforward to understand that you're gonna have a lower you know, score mm. that day. But w- w- what what I really like about this. Um, with with micro um, feedback is is actually to spin this on and say well you know micro research mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and using this yeah. as not just getting feedback but also <coughs> for kind of you know testing things in in little ways yes and um, okay we, we've got things like A/B testing mm-hmm. all the rest of it but you could do micro research mm-hmm. um, and and um, ask users to you know to short questions about what mm-hmm. they think and maybe. Um, puzzle questions like you would do in maybe interview situations mm. and, and get feedback that way or research mm. um, answers, research feedback. Research there's, feedback there's a type of ethnographic research where you have yeah. diary-based research yeah. where people are asked to write a diary about their day. Yeah. And this would give an, a simple way for people to actually, during times of the day mm. when they feel a certain emotion, just push a button. You could uh, like basically plot a graph mm. of their emotions over the day. And you can use that in an inter- interview situation mm. afterwards to ask them mm. about why did you feel sad or why did you feel angry or happy in these certain places, which would probably help them to remember and but give better responses. Yeah, well, you could even you could mm. even present them back with say, mm. okay, um, t- take a look at this picture. Mm. Um, did you did you notice did you notice this um, this particular bit on the start page or yeah. earlier in your um, shopping experience? Mm. Um, there was this particular. You could mm. you could maybe ask for feedback about a particular design element. Mm in their experience that you presume they would have seen or taken notice of. Yes. But you, but you then ask what they thought about mm. that. Um, yes, you can test whether they've clicked on something mm. or whatever, mm. but maybe you you want something a bit more mm. um, oh, uh, quantitative yeah. there. That Once they've gotten further into interacting with your product mm. or service, then that's where you probably would ask for the micro-feedback. Yeah. 
Uh, and you get the context as well. Mm. One thing I like also about the text messages that, I mean, you're texting someone, you have their phone number. Mm. So if they gave a really bad response or a, a bad grade for you, mm. then you can call them up. Yeah. Or you can ask f- for permission <laughs> to call them and s- ask, why Why do you feel that way? Yeah. Which are probably a lot, I'm, I'm presuming now, but I think a lot of people would actually agree to that. Mm. I'm, th- I'm thinking now about the wine critic. When people unsubscribe to his newsletter, he calls them up personally to ask them why they unsubscribe. Oh, it's not and most people actually do subscribe again. Oh, well, exactly. that's, that's just threatening. Well, it you've depends on how really you approach it. it. Yeah. I don't like that. sounds kind of a bit creepy. And you know, Why the hell did you unsubscribe from my newsletter? <laughs> all right, all right, I'll subscribe I'm again. I'm sure that's not what he says. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, but, uh, another mm. point that's brought up in it is, of course, the timing. The timing's crucial. Exactly. I, mean, I, I can imagine it may be interesting. You you want to? You've lost your password. Click on the last pa- lost password or you know recover password thing. And you ask, oh, and how how did you find? Did you find it easy to 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 locate the lost password option? Excellent. Right? Yes. Um, but you know, timing that mm. question is critical because if you want to log in, mm. then of course logging in is the point. So mm. getting in the way of loads of questions might not really mm. be the best thing to do at that point. Mm. But could be relevant to get some micro feedback or research, mm. do some micro research about that to check your experience is mm. working. I've seen some of this actually in online IT support uh, FAQs, uh, come to think about it, when I search for things online, and it asks you, were you helped by this information? It asks at the end, mm. and you rate it, and it was probably pretty good. Amazon uses it, were you helped by this review? It's not quite similar, or it's not quite the same thing, but it's similar. So. Yeah, this is the mm. yeah, balance between feedback and research. Yeah, Interesting. This really got me thinking about lots of places you, you'd want to include microfeedback. So I think this this might be something that a lot of companies should be looking more into mm. places where they could implement this. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, it's it's inspired me a little bit now as well because the project I'm doing now, I'm, I'm going to need to do not only work with buy-in an awful lot, mm. uh, but I need to do, um, well, inclusion and research. Mm. So I'm wondering if I can, um, if I can use Micro re- micro feedback or micro research as a way of mm. of creating buying and inclusion yep. in a project. Sarah Dudu also has a free guide to micro feedback, although she uses a dark pattern when you sign up for that because mm. that also means you sign up for her newsletter, which it says in very tiny print at the bottom. Yeah, and I didn't understand why it said friend instead of name mm. on um, on that pop up. Yeah, that's a bit confusing. That's some feedback. Mm. There you go, Sarah. <laughs> micro in UX podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to our podcast to get your micro feedback. So, <clears throat> shall we move on? Yes, we should. It's not a new concept, really. Where you you well, we actually back up a little bit. We got we got tweeted we should, by one we, of we our friends up, and yeah. listeners to the show um, the other day, mm. um, highlighting or pointing out this um, website to us. Mm. Um, the user is drunk dot com, and you kind of look at it. You think, oh, excellent. Oh, this is cool. It is cool. <laughs> your website, I mean, the tagline at the top here is, your website should be so simple a drunk person could mm. use it. You can't test that. I'll do it for you. Mm. And they said, yeah, what? What? I'll get very drunk and then I'll review your website. I'll send you a document outlining, outlining where I thought the website needed help and a screencast of me going over the website. It doesn't say if he writes the document while he's still drunk. Or if he writes it afterwards. No, you're right. Go through it. Mm. Um, Go through his notes. (laughs) If you can read his notes. So this is 250 US dollars per site if you want to try it. Um, A couple of years back, I saw Will Dable in a video of him uh, showing how you could actually learn from drunk users. Mm. Because what drunk users are, are that they're 
users who, who don't uh, really... Are you giving me a sign or something here? No, no, no I was sat on my microphone cable. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was just moving to free the cable from underneath like my... You were trying to get my attention. No, uh, well, <laughs> I was lifting my leg it's to like get a cable from underneath me. <laughs> this is such a sensitive topic. Uh, drunk users can, can tell you something about your website because they're... <laughs> they're not work. Their cognitive uh, abilities are are lowered, and so they need more help going through your website. It depends how drunk they are, really. Mm. Um, you've got to be uh, you've got to be at that kind of nice level. Um, it doesn't say how drunk he gets. It no, but yeah. you, I mean, too drunk and it's not going to work. You're yeah. just going to be kind of bashing keyboards and f- mm. falling over. But um, but a little bit intoxicated so that your 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 inhibitions. Um, recede, and mm. you're actually willing to say what you think. And uh, true as well, yes. Not pull the punches. That mm. is actually useful, a potentially useful aspect of this. Mm. Um, and and it reminded me about the um, the, the video from um, uh, oh, it must be yeah, a couple of years ago now um, from Three Sheets Research, where um, they they um, plied a woman with tequila and sat her in front of Windows Eight mm. and recorded her um, using Windows 8 for the first time yeah. as a Windows user and it's actually classic it's a classic video um, it's it's wonderful to see how frustrated she gets uh, with Windows and how mm. you know, where's the goddamn start menu I just want the f- the frigging start menu back what mm. she says um, freaking I think she says um, and, it's, it, and it's really it really shows how frustrating the site is for her and well and also I mean is that because she's drunk or is it or she's just saying that because she's drunk, but it, she would have the same problems or frustrations even as a sober person. We have no mm. control video to yeah. judge that. Exactly, by. and we have. Um, that's what's so interesting about it. You think about what you yourself would would say during <laughs> during a user testing session, doing something like this. And that's also something that came up when uh, Pat suggested that we actually do do something like this as well. Review, yeah. review a website while it's drunk. Mm. The problem with that is. Ethical issues. There it's not socially acceptable. Uh, also, some of the drunk podcasts I've heard are utterly awful. Yeah. You never know what you're going to say. I'll, on the other hand, this is, would be focused on a specific or maybe three websites. I'm not saying we're going to do this now. I'm just saying it's like playing with the idea. It made you realize there are so many things that are funny about this, but there are equally many things that are wrong about this. Well, think, thinking about some of the um, the, the moral implications mm. uh, of what we do, if, you're, if your kind of gut feeling is, this is bad, then it probably is. Exactly. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, and I think just this kind of getting people mm. drunk um, so they get them to test things and p- probably laughing at them while they're doing it. Mm. I mean, yeah, okay, some people are, are you know, game for it and up for it, but, um, and this is a cool, uh, f- you know, for his Point of view. It's um, uh, from Richard's point of view. Yeah, it's um, it's a good marketing exercise here. It is. Hey, yes. uh, oh, mm. brand or mm. kind of personal branding here. <laughs> uh, okay, he's making himself associated with being a drunk. Um, uh, well, the, the guy who drinks twice a mm. week, but he um, he does a bit about uh, a bit of disclaimer about um, addictive drinking is a real issue, mm. and he's and he intends to drink responsibly. And he's gonna mm. have friends checking with him. Regulate so make sure he doesn't um, uh, you know, problem yeah. doesn't do much. And that type of disclaimer makes you take him more seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Although it doesn't it doesn't completely remove the fact that mm. you well, yeah, having regular 
no. drinking sessions to this extent where you consider yourself <laughs> to be drunk and testing things, it's probably not a long-term career right. path. And I would have a really hard time like sort of glorifying drinking in, in that way. Yeah. And it's clearly not going to become a, a business model for him where he kind of has 20 people working for him all drunk three times mm. a week. Mm. It's, it's, it's a gimmick. It um, is. But, but I think it does, going back to the, the, the core question there, um, yes, your website should be so well made that the users can achieve their goals in the context they find themselves in at the time they need to do it. Mm. And if, if it so happens mm. <laughs> that your target audience... Mm is drunk at the time they need to do what they have to do on your website, mm. um, then maybe that is a relevant test. Just you saying that, that's really, really relevant because I've, <laughs> I've also worked with addicts. When I've been working with this platform for, for health services online, uh, it's a platform for, for giving uh, like treatment, but also a lot of surveys where you actually uh, have to pinpoint how much alcohol mm. you drink during a week and how much and stuff like that. So that's actually... One of the cases where I could actually realize that, well, this is something. Yeah. And another one, mm. I wonder if Uber mm. has tested their taxi app. See? Thinking of examples users. already, yeah. There people, are go, people going home at night trying yeah. to order a cab or Uber, yeah. uh, will they be able to? Yeah. I don't mm. know if there's any kind of like, you know, panic apps <coughs> um, to get in touch with things. Or whether you kind of, right, you yeah. know, there's some kind of, um, all these things that might well be mm. tools that you need to use in a context where you've been drinking. Exactly. Then, yeah, it's relevant to mm. test. But this is, this is, again, back to mm. the fact that you need to test um, with realistic mm. um, users and realistic scenarios um, mm. for your product or website. Yep. Humorous. But actually, we only should get a serious point out of that. I think so. God, I didn't expect that. No. <laughs> We actually had something to say. That <laughs> uh. I'm not surprised about. No, true. <laughs> <laughs> so that um, that was our three um, links for mm. this um, link show. Mm. I think I mean, we've I haven't I think we asked for this before, but I mean, if people listening have other articles they think we should be talking about more that they've responded to in a positive or a negative way, then that would be interesting to hear about as well. So tweet us or, or send us an email at uxpodcast at uxpodcast.com. And that'd be fun, and we might bring them up in yeah. uh, upcoming link shows. Absolutely. Um, there will be more link shows coming up. Mm. You can find show notes for today's show um, on uxpodcast.com. We're everywhere. You always say that. It sounds kind of creepy. We're well, yeah, but the thing is that we used to say a lot. Mm. I mean, mm. sometimes I do list things. Mm. But, I mean, sometimes I used to just randomly say one. I know, but we're everywhere. Ever, okay. ever present. Omnipresent. Omnipresent. Like God. We're not like gods. <laughs> That's the not third what realm. <laughs> Put your hammer down, Per. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, um, yeah. We're US podcast. All one word. Just Google words. it. Yeah. But uh, do give us feedback and send us links and, and send us some high fives as well. That's pretty cool. And let your friends know you've enjoyed the show. Yes. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Mm-hmm.